Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Tuesday morning, and it certainly is for the Bucks. They picked up their sixth win of the season after a flag was picked up on a controversial pass interference call on a two-point conversion that could have done wonders for the Giants. It is election morning. We are in New York City. Good morning, Keyshawn, Go J. Will. And Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance, that's the fair thing to say. Even though our country is divided down the middle, the one thing we can agree on, no. go vote, exercise your right. For the first time in American history, there will be 150 million people in this country that will have voted. It never happened before. And please be safe today. Everybody all over the country, indeed. We're here to talk about sports. We understand where our priorities lie, but there are bigger issues to be had. Just wanted to mention that. Off the top, we'll mention it throughout the por- uh, course of the program as well. But, fellas, J- Jay, I want to start with you being the hardcore uh. Giants fan. So I turned on the game last night. I'm from thinking about you because I'm like, look at the Giants. They got the old-school look. They're right going where we back have. to the 80s, right? They got the white pants they got the Giants across the helmet instead of the NY. They got the red stripe. They look like the old school Giants. Except but alas, they didn't have old school Giant players. No, it was a same old result. Tampa improves to six and two, their best eight game start since Keyshawn and the Bucks won the Super Bowl. So you got something in oh, common there. Ooh. They're playing well. It ended well for Keyshawn that year. We'll see how it ends for the Bucks. But guys, everybody's talking about the penalty flag that was picked up. What do you think? I just, I don't think it was a P.I., so I agree with them that they got the call right, but why throw the flag in the first place? Why throw the flag in the first place? It it was a hell of a drive by Daniel Jones. He gets all the way down. They score an incredible touchdown, and and then you go for the two-point conversion. The ref throws the flag. They go back to review it, and then they come out. They overturn it, but there's no explanation to explain to me why they overturned it. Why throw the flag in the first place? Well, you know, we could dive into it a lot of different ways. It was pass interference, but you're not going to get – first of all, you're not getting a call because you're Daniel Jones, you're the Giants, and you're not very good. So, so they're you're not, not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If he throw, The ball was slightly thrown behind the receiver, so therefore they're not going to get the flag, even though it was pass interference. He ran into him, so he, he enabled him to be able to turn around to catch the football. It was thrown behind. If he puts the ball in front of him, they walk into the end zone. The referee should have explained why, saying, hey, the defensive back closed in on the receiver, but because the ball hit the defensive back's arm, then, therefore, there's no pass interference. He's allowed to try and catch the football as well. All he had to do was turn his head. If he turns his head, this conversation, we're not even having a conversation, but the fact that he didn't turn his head – he just continued to drive into the receiver. If the ball doesn't touch the if the ball doesn't touch the uh, the arm of the defender, then it's a pass interference. Clearly, if the ball somehow gets in front of uh, the receiver and he runs into him, it's pass interference. But because it hit it hit him on the backside and it was slightly thrown behind, they're not gonna call that. And on top of that, the Giants aren't good. You know how that goes. You get the benefit of the doubt when you're good. But the ball was thrown late. I mean, the ball was thrown Absolutely a second and a late. half late. Like was, if you throw that earlier, that's a two-point conversion. Yeah, it's a, it's a two-point conversion for sure. But, Daniel but, Jones threw the ball late. But There's Zubin, no question about here, here, Here's the bigger issue for me, and I know we'll discuss pass interference, whether the flag was thrown or not. But I'm not going to put this on Joe Judge because the defense held up the entire game. I'm not going to put this on Jason Garrett from an offensive play calling perspective because I think he did a hell of a job mixing it up. The O-line actually held up. 
this loss goes on number eight. It goes on number eight. It goes on Daniel Jones. Just two bad picks that he threw throughout this game. And now at the halfway point, he has nine interceptions at the halfway point. He had 12 last year. He has nine now. Well, nine. Yeah, he certainly is not living up to the billing of the next Eli Manning and coming. You know, he's not, he's not doing that for sure. When you look at it, though, he threw the two picks, like you said, ill-advised. I don't know who the hell he was throwing the football to. Uh, panic. Yeah, on both. He, he, look, he looks panicked and scared to me when he's out there. So when he sees color, he goes to – it gets all frantic. Instead of just calm, relax, the pockets are set there for you, step up and throw the ball. Um, he had one or two good throws in the game. He missed Shepard wide open running down the left sideline. I mean, he, oh. if he dropped – it was a Shepard or was a Slayton? It was one of the receivers. It was one of them on the left sideline. I know what you're left talking about. He drops that thing in the bread basket. He's still running to – he's still running to Philadelphia. I mean, it's just – when you look at it, for a guy to be drafted as high as he he was and praised by Dave Gettleman as if he was the second coming, he just didn't play sharp the entire game, and that's one of the reasons the Giants lost the football game. He made some nice throws here and there when he had the time, when he wasn't under somewhat duress. Um, it's just, you know, we talk about Sam Darnold getting rid of Sam Darnold like it's going crazy. But what are the Giants going to do if there's a quarterback that's sitting there? What are they going to do? They're sitting there at one and seven. They could have the possibility of drafting somebody high. So the question is, Daniel Jones' future from these two guys, they've got their opinions. The only opinion that right now seems to matter on the future of Daniel Jones is Joe Judge. Let's hear from him after the game on his thoughts on that. Daniel's our quarterback. All right, what we have to do is just make sure we keep improving everything around him and that we coach every player the same way. Uh, I told Daniel on both times the play happened you know, tonight. I just told him to be patient with it, stay committed to it. We're going to need you down the stretch. We need you to make plays. And obviously in that final drive, he made a lot of big plays for us. So you just got to keep moving on. Things happen in games. You know, we're not going to go ahead and tolerate everyone on the team you know, having a one-off type of deal. And I can't have, you know, one-offs as coaching staffs. We've all got to hold ourselves accountable and the man next to us accountable. But Daniel's our quarterback. Again, Clearly put. Again, sorry, Joe. Again, the Giants are 1-7. and seven. Daniel Jones was chosen with the sixth overall pick in his draft, leading us to this particular question, this coming NFL draft in 2021. On the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, or you can hit us up at KeyJ. And Z, you're standing in a long line this morning waiting to vote. Just take out the phone. We'll help you buy a few minutes. Who would you draft number one? Simply put, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, Mel Kuyper Jr. draft expert here later this morning to weigh in with his thoughts. I was going to say Joe Judge missed two words in that sentence. He's our quarterback. Two words he missed, for now. (laughs) For now, if you keep going on this trend, if you keep dancing in the pocket under duress, I mean, multiple times Shaq Barrett was able to get to him. Throw the ball out of bounds, Key. Right? Throw the ball out of bounds. I don't know anything. You know he nothing. Threw, he should have uh. threw the ball in the third row. He lived, lived to see another down. Uh. If it's not there, don't try to be a hero. And I think for whatever reason, his turnover rate is alarming since leaving Duke. And it just it's, – it's alarming, whether it's fumbling, throwing ill-advised interceptions. I don't know – what he's seeing that makes him think that it's okay to do that. One thing I would say Arians after the game did say, and I think this may be just a shot of truth serum, Bruce Arians has never been accused of being held back by anything. He essentially said, you know what, 
their young quarterback, he's just trying to do too much. And that was from Bruce Arians. That was not from Joe Judge. Yeah, and that's what I say. He just maybe he just he's trying to do too much and just not really understanding how to play the position quite yet. I mean, I know he I know he came high praise from a guy in, in Dave Cutcliffe. I always like to laugh at that. Uh because he coached Peyton Manning and Eli Manning now. Daniel Jones is the next in line. I mean, it's sometimes you lose your fastball, you know? Yeah, well, look, I got a home in Durham. I've seen Peyton down there. I've seen Eli down there. I heard them rave about Daniel Jones, obviously watching Duke games. And I don't want to commit a Duke on Duke crime, <laughs> but I feel like I'm trending in that direction. And That's I got to okay, tell you, man. every okay. Saturday when I watch Ohio State games and I watch Justin Fields, the way he's been playing – I'm starting to think about it. I'm starting to look at David Gettleman. I'm starting to say, Lewis Reddick, what are you doing? Get out of the booth. Come to New York. Let's make some of the right changes internally. Let's get Saquon Barkley back. Let's start trending in the right direction. Let's quickly clean up what Key said there. Peyton Manning, offensive coordinator at Tennessee, David Cutcliffe, head coach for Eli Manning mm-hmm. at Ole Miss, David Cutcliffe, head coach at Duke for Daniel Jones, David Cutcliffe. By the way, to uh, bolster both of you guys, ninth straight game of the turnover for Daniel Jones, longest active streak in the NFL, 13 turnovers in eight games. Stats incredible, brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. Last word on Gettleman, drafted Saquon number two, if that doesn't work out. Drafted Daniel Jones number six, if that doesn't work out. And I know you guys hate using this word, but the New York media is all over. Their first overall pick, (laughs) Andrew Thomas, calling him an absolute bust less than a half year in to his NFL career. And he's supposed to be protecting Eli Manning. I know you guys hate those words, but if a GM whiffs on three top 10 picks, all on offense in an offensively driven league, I mean, what in the world do you really want? Be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Still to come, are we giving TB too much credit because of what TB12 is doing and what TB12's old team is not. We'll explain after Jay has this. Your day is busy enough, so come into Shell and get three things done at once. First, fill up with the Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline to help keep your engine running like new. Then, save up with the Fuel Rewards Program and never pay full price for gas again. And finally, snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell, and engines that continuously use Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. See full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. They had to make the two-point conversion, and Antoine made a great play. Jones throwing for it, and it is knocked away. Contact, there's a flag in the end zone. No foul for Not defense yet. pass interference on the play. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, hey. Huh. Hey, 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 hey. Huh. Key and Jay providing the soundtrack. Good morning. Here is the soundtrack you need to know if you miss Monday Night Football. Essentially, everything you just heard, Giants with a touchdown, driving in for a two-point conversion, and you got Daniel Jones trying to hit Deion Lewis, coincidentally one of Brady's old teammates. I know, right? He's been around forever. Yes, Man, he, he, he He had a hell of a kick return to start the, the second half, though, I'll tell you that. Yes, and the man at the center of it all, Antoine Winfield Jr., who, Key, I recall his dad was a pretty good player back yeah, in the day. Good, good corner in Minnesota, good corner in Buffalo. And his S- son? Smaller guy, but... Uh, strapped, feisty. I like Twan. He was that was like one of my fun DB buddies that I played against because he he wasn't disrespectful. He wasn't nasty. He just played football and enjoyed it. He was a great great player. His son is turning out to be a great player too. People are very high on him, but he was at the center of it all for a PI that was essentially thrown down, flag picked up. Anyway, the Giants again a heartbreaker. Think about this for a I, second. It's so funny though, but I knew that. I wasn't going to let myself fall into that trap. As I set up and I watched from beginning to end, mm-hmm. I've seen every single snap. But I wasn't going to – I'm like, I mean, I've seen this before, man. I'm not even – Brady will win with two minutes to go. Here we go. And then Daniel Jones threw the pick when they was marching. I was like, this dude just – they got the ball back for you midfield, fool. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you do that. You know, I'm talking to the TV at this time. <laughs> Obviously, everybody's asleep and it's just me, you know. And, he, and I didn't want to text you guys because I figured the only person would be up maybe be Jay. All the rest of the producers, they go to bed like at seven. So mm-hmm. it's like, I just was like, I knew it was going to happen, though. I just knew Brady was just. And it did happen. It did happen. But what we didn't think was going to happen would be the ultimate collapse of the Pats. We knew they'd struggle. They wouldn't be as good. That's pretty obvious. But that's where we want to go here this morning because this is something you guys have sort of had a divergent path on. The idea that New England is struggling, yeah. and that by osmosis, even though the Bucks are 6-2, and two, playing well, Super Bowl front runner, that somehow Brady is being elevated. He was good last night, 28 for 40, 279, solid as they come. But the fact that his play and the Bucks' play is a little artificially elevated because of what's going on in New England. Yeah. Is that legitimate? I think it, I think it kicks it up a notch. It, you know, two weeks ago they played the Chicago Bears, and everybody was going, oh, God, oh, God, what is this? He, you know, guy's getting senile. He's getting old, four fingers, you know. And, and then you fast forward. They win a week ago. They win this week. And now all of a sudden, they're the toast of the town and the Super Bowl favorites coming into the giant game, coming out of the NFC. They're the Super Bowl team. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, okay, we need to stop kicking it up a notch. Yes, the Bucks are worthy and deserving of being in the position that they're in, but you can't tell me that over the last three weeks as Tampa Bay starts to play and win games and New England starts to suffer and lose games, that all of a sudden we're focused in on Brady getting to the Super Bowl so 
So when I say we, I mean as a media mm-hmm. is wanting him to hurry up and get to the Super Bowl so and the Pats not get there so we could create Brady Super Bowl, Bill Holmes scouting combine. That's what people, they want to push that narrative. Now Brady's played well and he's deserving of the accolades that he's getting with the Bucks, but I just think that it's being pushed up a little too soon because all of a sudden we forgot about Seattle. We all of a sudden forgot about New Orleans, even though Michael Thomas hasn't played. They continue to keep winning football games. Yeah, how about that? We'll, you know? we'll talk about that and, later. And so you you forget about those teams. You also forgot about Green Bay, even though Aaron Rodgers got a little stinker going. You know, uh, uh, two weeks ago, after Chicago beat Tampa Bay, we were sitting there going, well, you know, Nick Foles, you know, this is a recipe that could get them to the Super Bowl. They run the ball, play defense, and he just doesn't turn it over. Those are the conversations. And as New England continues to lose now, the conversation continue to get keeps getting pushed by Tampa Bay's going to the Super Bowl, even though Russell Wilson just threw for whatever he threw for the other day. It's just, it's just my thought. Maybe I'm completely off on this. Who knows? No, I think you're on point. I think two things can both be true. I think, is there a push for the Bucs to get to the Super Bowl considering the Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay? Of course. Uh, they're still playing really well. Mike Evans played well last night. They don't have Chris Godwin. They're getting Antonio Brown back. I mean, they have the pieces. We both know that Tom Brady plays his best football November and December. Is there a push because the Patriots are not playing well and the Bucs are? Yes, but at the same time, I don't think a lot of people have forgotten about Seattle. But people do remember the fact that if you're going to use the argument, what happened with Chicago and the Bucks? All right, well, what happened with Seattle and Arizona? If you want to use the argument about what's going on with Green Bay, all right, well, how about the stinker that Green Bay just had with Minnesota? If you want to use the thing with KC, all right, KC versus the Raiders. Everybody has holes that they need to fill to a degree, Key. But you can't not acknowledge the fact that Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings Nine Super Bowl appearances. Plays his best football this time of year that we're coming into. Look at the weapons that he does have. Those are those elements are true as well. Correct? He, he, he has his Super Bowls. He has his rings. And Tampa Bay is a hell of a football team. They're one of the top three teams within the conference. But it seems to me that the national media is now elevating Tampa to surpass those Seattles, those Green Bays, not necessarily and, and and the Saints, and not necessarily based on their record and their play, but based on the struggles in New England and the success that Tom Brady is having. So they want to push that up a notch to make it so that it's a story. I hear you, Keith. Opposed to he's winning football games, they got a good team, they got a good roster, they're winning games. It's now he's going to the Super Bowl, he's the number one favorite. It's like, well, wait a minute, man. I think them dudes in the Pacific Northwest will have something to say. Let me, I'm with you. I think that's one team. I mean, I think Seattle. I mean, do you think Green Bay is better than Tampa Bay? Well, they played head-to-head. Tampa do Bay I think them. Green Bay is better than Tampa Bay? They played. No, I don't think so. Okay. No. I mean, so I understand what you're saying about All right, we'll go on a break. We'll, we'll talk about that when we come back from break. I try I think, not to answer you because he already told me go to break. I think, I think Seattle is the one team that you could say if their defense continues to live up, Jamal Adams comes back, you know, Dunlap, they're the team. But I don't know if any other team you know, is the better Saints, than Tampa Bay. The Saints Bay. beat Tampa. Go ahead, Z. You've got to get the break. <laughs> I understand beginning of the year, though. A lot, should, a lot of things. This is a different Tampa Bay team now. It's a week-to-week league, as you mentioned. Foles riding high now. Nobody wants him. By the way, the national media, full of guys like me's and you's. That's no, no, the first not time. me. I don't have a media credential. 
Don't have a media credential. <laughs> All right. Keyshawn J. Wills, you've been presented by Progressive <laughs> Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. Still to come, we are, we love the countdown clock here, we're nine and a half hours away from the NFL trade deadline. Big names on the docket. And speaking of big names, after missing six weeks now, are the 49ers ready to deep six it with Jimmy Garoppolo? That's on the way. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. The Patriots fell three and a half games out in the division for the first time in 20 years. They're They're done. They're They're buried. buried. We fell into this trap of Belichick is there, he'll figure it out, and everything just kind of fell apart for him. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Dan Graziano, our NFL insider here in 10 minutes. But a couple things, guys, to get Mm -hmm. to. Straight away to the start of Week 9, it'll be a rematch of the NFC Championship game between the Packers and the 49ers. The 49ers will not have Jimmy G. He's done for six weeks. Nick Mullins will play at quarterback. George Kittle, the all-world tight end, would be out eight weeks. But the big story is that the 49ers don't really have much on the line, despite Jimmy G's gigantic contract. With regards to guaranteed money, not much on the line. With what you've seen this year... And his up-and-down performance, could this be the last year for Jimmy G in San Francisco, even though last year they were in the Super Bowl with him? I think so. I, I, you know, there are people out there that would argue that Jimmy G's not going anywhere, Shanahan loves him, blah, blah, blah. But I think when you have the opportunity to, to maybe uh, get a guy like Matt Ryan, who has a, a very expensive contract, with the Atlanta Falcons, but if you can give up something that makes that work, and Matt Ryan, for instance, is a guy who is willing to rework his deal from a salary cap standpoint to get to a a team like the San Francisco 49ers, I think that you take a look at that. Um, And there's also some young quarterbacks out there. If there's a move for Sam Darnold, people are screaming and hollering that, you know, maybe Sam Darnold needs a change and and Trevor Lawrence comes into New York. But I I don't think Jimmy G – is going to be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers in 2021. 
I mean, they've gotten what they got out of him. They see what he is. Um, and can, can, can you ask me, what is that? When you say they see what he is. He's just a guy. He's just, just a, a he's just an average quarterback. He's a guy. He's a, come on, man. You can plug a it's ten quarterbacks that start on teams in the National Football League right now. That's the same guy. That's the same guy. And those ten quarterbacks that start on National Football League teams aren't taking their teams to the Super Bowls and winning them like the 49ers are trying to do. Now let's not get it twisted. Jimmy G helped them get to the Super Bowl, but in that play, those two playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. They was asking, I think he threw a total of 17 balls. Minnesota they was like, and Green Bay. Minnesota's Green Bay. Oh, no, man. Nuh-uh, bro. They seen him throw one pick. They was like, uh-uh. No, we're going to run the ball. We, we're we taking the ball out of your hands. The Ryan and, Tannehill of the NFC. <laughs> and so when you when you look at that and you're paying that type of money, that's not what Shanahan wants to do. He understands that you've got to throw the football at times in games to win them. They had a great defense last year. Their defense is still okay this year, although they've been banged up a lot. Um, when you look at it, Joey Bosa, not Nick Bosa, isn't there. He's lost for the year. And so when you start to look at some of those things, Richard Sherman hasn't played much. When you start to look at that, you start to say to yourself, okay, we got enough, but our quarterback can't help us get over the top. He's not the guy that could handle the rest of the team and put it on his back. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if they moved on from him, not in the least bit. Just makes it easier for them to move on from him, right? I mean, uh, you think about if everybody were healthy, Key, and if you're winning games, it, it makes it a lot more challenging, even if your defense is playing well and you have all the pieces to say, hey, we're going to move on from him, even though there's a history. But now that you're losing games, it seems like your roster is depleted, everybody's injured, you're losing games at a high clip. All right, well, well this makes it easier, a transition. They right? flirted with him in the offseason prior to Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. They flirted with Brady. There was, there was a there was a John Lynch said they made the call. Yeah, the GM they, they, said they made the call. They, they flirted with it. Hey, man. What you think about this dude? Can we get him? Can we get in on him? Hmm. You know, and so that conversation comes up, tells you what they thought about the quarterback. And then they realize, uh-oh, we stuck with Jimmy G. So one of the first things they do is, ah, oh, we love Jimmy G. And they put their arms around you to make it all great. Even though in the end, they don't value him nearly the same as they did when they traded for him. And, fellas, think about it. When they traded for him, how quickly things can change. They traded – for him for a second-round pick. And at the time, people said, oh, my goodness, the 49ers fleeced the Pats because we potentially have a franchise guy that could be here for a decade or so, and all we gave up was a second-round. That was the notion at the time. But I never felt that way, though, because I watched Jacoby Brissett come in and do the same thing. So it was, I watched Jacoby Brissett on a small little slice, sample size, do the same thing that Jimmy G did on a small slice, sample size. Both in New England. Both in New England. You watched them do the same thing. So, for whatever reason, John Lynch felt and Shanahan felt at the time, which, look, they went to a Super Bowl. He certainly helped them get to a Super Bowl. There's no question about it. But to win the Super Bowl and to get over that hump, he's not the guy for them to be able to do that. He's just not. Steve Young says something that really caught my attention the other day. He said it creates a focus on one question coming into this year that you had about the 49ers. Can we get to a place where Kyle Shanahan, this innovative offensive coordinator, one of the best head coaches in the league, can find a quarterback that he can trust and just be expansive with rather than protect? And Steve Young, of course, a 49er legend himself. So Jimmy G has gotten to the Super Bowl but hasn't been able to win it. That's the exact same situation Cam Newton is in, one-time Super Bowl participant, wasn't able to win it. Obviously struggling right now, as are the Patriots at 2-5. and five. Bill Belichick, on his weekly radio appearance on Sports Talk Radio Station WEEI, 
basically saying the reason Cam is struggling is because our infrastructure over the last few years hasn't been great. I mean, look, we paid Cam million, uh, Cam Newton a million dollars. I mean, it's obvious we didn't have any money. It's nobody's fault. It's, I mean, that's what we did the last five years. We sold out and won three Super Bowls, played in the fourth, and played in an AFC championship game. This year we had less to work with. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Key? I take that all day long. I take I take three Super Bowls, played in four, <laughs> in a championship game. I take that all day long to be in salary cap hell right now <laughs> and not win a division and rebuild. Who wouldn't take that? Would you take that, Z? Totally. I mean, yes, Super Bowls but the, here's Super the problem, though. Bill Belichick says that, and everybody thinks that he's making excuses. He's just telling you the truth. He's damned if he do, damned if he don't, right? If he says it, ah, look, he, Bill, you, you, you're bad. And if he doesn't say anything, he's saying, Bill, he's always. Just, <laughs> I mean, like, you can't win. Key, that's why out, <laughs> external expectations are different than internal expectations. And granted, I, I think externally, there is so much around this Pats team as it relates to expectations about what is Cam going to do? I don't think internally, obviously they always want to win championships, but I think after guys opting out with COVID, after Cam coming back, I think internally expectations have changed with this team. There's eight players as starters that are not on their team because I understand they opted that. out. And people have to understand that and realize you're not – every single year, every single year you can't – Realize, I mean, you can't just assume that a team is going to be the same after eight guys leaves, the quarterback of 20 years, he's gone, a new guy you sign in a COVID situation at quarterback with no offseason, nothing, comes in and tries to do his best. You have no receiver. You have nothing. Like the cupboard's bare. Like you don't have anything. And he's just explaining to people five Super Bowls, we or four Super Bowls, we won three of them. We lost one, and then we go to an AFC championship game, and y'all trying to kill me because I simply say we don't have any money. We don't have any money. We sold out for five years. And I think Mr. Kraft and then Bill Belichick will sell out for another five years if they need to. That's why I said we'd have to change the expectations and change the narrative, right? They're in a rebuilding process. And that's okay considering all the success that this team has had. That's, Man, they, they, that's okay. They're no different <laughs> – than any other professional franchise in sports that have great success for long periods of time and then have to shut it down for a short period of time to reboot. Now, whether or not Bill Belichick will be around for that next run as the head coach, who knows? Maybe he will coach well into his 80s or something. I don't know. But right now, they're not a good football team, and it's an opportunity for everyone that want to kick them across the street to do so. And they may want to kick him across the street. They may want to kick a couple players out here and there. Reboot, rebuild, not words often heard around the Patriots. But obviously, as the fellows have said, these are different times. And for more on that, let's head to the Shell Pennzoil performance line to welcome NFL insider Dan Graziano. Dan and all the guys are working the phones. And over the course of the last few years, I can't imagine much of the calls he's taken are on the Patriots being sellers. But Dan, as we approach the deadline today, 4 p.m. Eastern, what are the Pats thinking about doing, and what are the other really big names we need to think about before it hits four in the East today? Watching to see what happened to them on Sunday in Buffalo, and the theory being if they lose, which they did, they're three and a half games out. They don't look like they 
a very good team, and, and would that mean they could potentially sell off pieces at the deadline? You know, Stefan Gilmore has a couple years left on his contract, a very affordable price for an acquiring team. There are teams that are interested in knowing whether he's available, whether they'd move other veteran pieces in their secondary, like one or both of the McCourty twins, whether Joe Tooney, their offensive lineman, who's their franchise player, could be available for a team that needs help there. So definitely a team people are watching throughout the day today in terms of trying to figure out where they stand. And when you hear comments like that from Bill Belichick, it does give you a window into how the Patriots see themselves. If they see themselves as a rebuilding team and they're able to move guys that aren't going to be part of that long-term rebuilding in exchange for picks that are, then they have to consider it. So yeah, I'm watching the Patriots pretty closely today to see what they do, if anything. I think you know, they're not going to just move just to move. They don't have to clear cap space or, or, or cash space. They can they can sort of recalibrate and go forward starting next year. But if somebody offers them enough for, say, a Stefan Gilmore to make it worth their while, I, wouldn't, I don't think anybody would be super surprised by a move like that. Dan, how likely is it that the Green Bay Packers, who's had issues on both sides of the ball from a defensive standpoint as well as trying to get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams some help mm -hmm. at the receiving core, how likely is it that they make a move at some point today? They're, they've looked at it, Key. There's no question about it, but it's the Packers, right? I mean, in the end, they love their picks. And I don't I, – I think it would be surprising to see Green Bay make a move to send a valuable, a high draft pick in exchange for a player they're only going to have for a couple of months. Look, the name you keep hearing with them is Will Fuller, the receiver from the Texans. This guy's in the last year of his contract. Uh, if he leaves and signs elsewhere for a good deal, the Texans are going to get a third-round compensatory pick most likely. So in order to make it worth Houston's while to move him, you probably have to give a second round or a better. Now you look at the Packers, the second round's pretty important for them. They got Devontae Adams in the second round. Years ago, they got Jordy Nelson in the second round. The, the way they like to fix their receiver problem is to draft a superstar in the second round and develop him. So uh, if they make a move, I think it would probably be you know, smart and targeted and not an overpay for a rental player as much as people might want to see hey, Aaron Rodgers needs some more help than just Devontae Adams on that side of the ball. Can the Miami Dolphins challenge the Buffalo Bills for the AFC East title? Absolutely, man. There's no question. I said this on the show here and get up two weeks ago. Watch the Dolphins. Now, that was before I knew they were benching their veteran quarterback for the rookie. But, you know, maybe the kid can play. They didn't need him to, they didn't need to ask much of him to win that game the other day, obviously. Weird game that the defense kind of won for them. But... Uh, you look at the schedule Buffalo has over the next four or five weeks, it is not easy, and their offense isn't exactly clicking at the way it was in September. So, no, I, I think Miami's legit. They can play a little defense. If the rookie quarterback, if Tua can play, uh, then, then I think they're definitely in the mix. I would certainly, certainly like their chances better than I like New England's right now. Mm. Dan, Jimmy G is going to miss at least the next six weeks. Uh, how likely is it that Jimmy G is the quarterback for the 49ers next year? I think they'll look elsewhere and decide. See, the way the 49ers set up their contracts, and Jimmy G is no exception, you know, they, they, it's rolling year-to-year -year guarantees, and they don't even really have a trigger that kicks in the next year's guarantee until April 1st. And that's intentional because that's a couple of weeks after the start of free agency. So a team like the 49ers can look at its other options and assess, can we get a guy in free agency or via trade, or how is the draft looking for us before they decide? So... 
you know, as was the case this year, I heard you guys talk and they kind of dabbled in the Tom Brady market uh, and decided not to go there. They'll look around at other options again. And it's not crazy to think that they could come back to Jimmy G as their best option. But the way they do their contracts, the way they set up their deals, they definitely allow themselves the option to look at other possibilities at every position, including that one. And, you know, this is a player they've stood behind. Uh, they traded a second round pick for him. They've kind of, you know, put him in an offense that they feel like is, is suited to him. And they've seen some good things, including a fourth quarter lead in the Super Bowl just a few months ago. But when you look at teams and the quarterback position, they're very often trying to figure out how to sort of elevate the ceiling, right? To, to get from good to great and allow them to do things that say Patrick Mahomes can do with the Chiefs uh, that win Super Bowls as opposed to just getting there. So that's gonna be part of their calculus this off season as they assess Jimmy Garoppolo and whether he's the guy to get them where they wanna go. Dan, I picked the Minnesota Vikings to win a division at the beginning of the year, mm. obviously. I don't it, think they're gonna do it. <laughs> it didn't, doesn't look like they're gonna do it, but you no. also never said say that never. they had the opportunity to make the playoffs. How do you see well, that? Look, they're two and five, and obviously uh, it's going to be tough, but they just beat the first-place team the other day uh, in the Packers, right, with a formula where Dalvin Cook's running all over everybody, and it looks like they want to play. So the question is, are they too far buried? And the point I was trying to make in the overreactions piece yesterday was two and five isn't what it used to be in terms of trouble, right, because now you have seven teams per conference making the playoffs starting this year. So if you get hot, if you reel off, you know, seven, eight, nine wins in a row, as teams sometimes do, then all of a sudden you're back in the mix when it looks like you aren't. Now, they've already started selling off pieces there in Minnesota. Yannick Ngakwe, who was barely there, now shipped off to Baltimore, and you wonder if they're even sort of thinking that way. But I thought it was a worthwhile point to make that a team that in past years might have looked out of it may not be, especially in an NFC where, you know, it might be hard to get to seven in terms of who you like uh, as far as making the playoffs right now in the NFC. Right? The East is going to have one team, and, and maybe you know some people even think shouldn't have that many. Uh, and the West is a jumble. The 49ers are kind of a mess with injuries. So, yeah, there are spots. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a team that looks pretty bad at the midpoint kind of make some noise over the second half and have a better chance than they would have had in a previous year. Speaking of the playoffs, Chris Mortens have reported that the NFL is considering expanding the playoffs to 16 teams. Mm -hmm. What has been the reaction around the league from people about that news? Well, I think it's intriguing to people because the context is that, you know, if if COVID-related postponements force significant changes to the schedule toward the end of the year, like they have to add another week uh, to make up games, or, you know, teams end up, some teams end up playing more games than other teams because they can't get the games rescheduled, that this would be a way to do it. Remember, and this is, I'm a, this was my idea. I had a column last month where I suggested this as a possible solution. So I'm gonna take some credit, guys, and I wanna make sure that, that I get it. So I'm using your show as my platform. Look, this is, the, one concern they didn't wanna put in like a dummy week 18 to dump all the makeup games. The reason they didn't wanna do that is because they thought the playoff teams that have the buys would have too much time between meaningful games, between their last regular season game that counted and between their first playoff games. So, this would be a way to fix that because now nobody gets a buy and nobody has to sit around for two or three weeks without playing a game. And it would be a one-year fix that would allow uh, sort of a, you know, an even, you know, mini March Madness style bracket of uh, 16 teams and get you to uh, the Super Bowl. So it's one of many things that is being discussed as a potential solution if 
the COVID issues continue to force postponements and uh, adjustments of the schedule, especially as we get into that critical time of year in December and January. You've already said the branding. If it ends up being college basketball-like, just call it the Sweet 16, put them in there, and put 16 of the 32 mm -hmm. in and see what could happen. Dan's overreactions column he mentioned every Monday, ESPN.com. Trade deadline for Eastern today. Dan will be monitoring it. Dan, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Dan. You'll get that credit you guys. for sure. I appreciate you guys looking out for me. I do. <laughs> it means a lot. Only on KJZ, <laughs> Thank you so much. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, KJZ, presented by Progressive Insurance. Dan and everybody else on the Shell Pennzoil well, performance I'm glad line. Dan Patton, that's the one to steal it off our show. You know, they <laughs> tend to steal our stuff. Got to trademark that stuff. Let's go from A to Z and then talk a little college QBs. All right, guys, A to Z brought to you by Redbox. Redbox's new movies at the box, streaming on demand from the producers of Get Out and Us Don't Miss, Antebellum starring Janelle Monet. Visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Here's the end of this silly story. With the Bears wide receiver Javon Wims suspended two games, Saints defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson denies spitting at him. Wims retaliated by punching Gardner-Johnson during Sunday's game in Chicago. Gardner Johnson spitting? He says no way. It was no incident. We won the game. Everybody, it's a lot of he say, he say, oh, there ain't nothing happened. Ain't nobody get spit on. Nobody. Ain't nowhere should be nowhere on the field of play when the game going on. So I ain't answering no more questions about that. Unless you're Bill Romanowski, but that's well, another story jo for another day. Johnson been getting them hands put on him, though, lately. Man. Uh, key referencing that uh, his nephew. No, I didn't say anything. Uh, I just, all I said is allegedly. he's been getting his hands put on him lately. Speaking of that, what is going on? Are we going to see the Saints at their best? When is that going to happen? A to Z, now move on to B. Okay, we <laughs> got you. And this is for you, Jay. Sixers named Daryl Moore, their president of basketball operations. Obviously, it kind of hit the, the news cycle last week. It became official. They also extended their general manager, Elton Brand's contract on Monday. Daryl Morey on the task ahead. My goal is to win a championship, so whatever gets us there is, is what we'll do. But I would say to have two star-plus players in 24 and 26 years old, that is why I couldn't get Doc Rivers to come interview in Houston because he saw this roster, and he, he said it's amazing. So what style did Daryl Morey really make his mark for in the NBA? Three balls, right? Mm -hmm. Three balls, space, and pace. So if that's the case, if you add that element to what this team needs, that's what makes this team potentially really dangerous, right? Ben Simmons has this style. He can get up and down the court. Joel Embiid can pick and pop. You just need the right ancillary pieces around them. Daryl Morey, I think, can find those pieces. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I agree with Jay. <laughs> More Sixer conversation coming on the way this morning, 9, 10 a.m. Eastern. Michael Rubin who is the executive chairman of Fanatics and a Sixers partner. He'll be with us at 9-10, so he can really take us inside the process because he's have to sign off on Daryl Morey. Great take by me. Or anybody. Great take. It happens to me all the time in football, Key. If it means no, anything. I could have dived into it, but I wanted him to get out of A to Z and get uh, on the conversation. And if it means anything, Morey spent 13 years in Houston. They made the playoffs eight years in a row prior to his departure in October. That is actually the longest current playoff streak in the NBA. But mm. to Jay's point, you can go three ball, you can go small ball, you can try all these things. Ultimately, they came up short in a far more rugged Western Conference. I'm not going to be silly about Agree. that. Agree. We can talk about basketball real quick, Key. So what's going on with Michael Thomas? Oh, boy. <laughs> so 
the Saints have a game this Sunday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That they do. And that'll be an interesting game. It'll be fun to it'll be fun to to play and do everything. Z hard out. <laughs> that means I gotta say something. Trevor, Fields discussion next. And I gotta go. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.